This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. Hello, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. We've been doing final assessments for the Bachelor of Leadership for Change, and they're doing splendidly. That's so cool. It is an absolutely amazing program, that one. I think we've did something right in making that one. 100%. Um, I've been involved in a couple of the assessments and it blew my mind. It is amazing what will come out of people when you give them the freedom to be creative and in charge of their own reality. Indeed. And creating, just like we hoped, creating jobs and roles that we wouldn't have dreamed of. Yeah. Which is the future. Indeed. And who are we talking with today? Today it is my great pleasure to introduce Pam Williams. Um, I've known her for I don't even know how many years. I think it must have been like Cubs or something when our boys were little. Maybe Maybe 10 years. Yeah. And we've had, um, our lives have just bumped into each other over the years. We we made some puppies together with our dogs. And we've just we've just had this beautiful friendship that's blossomed over the years. Pam works at Bukatani Hospital as a nurse. She's been doing that for a very, very long time. She is an essential worker. Her husband is an essential worker. They have also managed to raise a beautiful son together. And um, it, it's just been a real honour to know you. And it's so nice to be able to talk to you today, Pam. Welcome. Thank you very much. Lovely to see you again, Mawara. And nice to meet you today, Sam. And how has your lockdown been? How was your bubble life? So, because I'm an emergency nurse at Whakatane Hospital, of course COVID was a massive big deal. And we could see what was happening overseas and it was actually terrifying from a nursing medical perspective. So it was taken very seriously and then um, lockdown happened and I was so relieved. And I was relieved and pleased because Actually, I um, I can hear a funny whistling, like the wind is whistling somewhere. It is the wind whistling through the windows at work. Okay, all right. Um, I was uh, very happy in lockdown because I figured out that I'm probably basically quite antisocial and I really liked knowing that nobody was going to just turn up on my doorstep when my house was a tip and my husband is similar to me in that regard. But I also acknowledge that... It, because we are essential workers, my husband's an ambulance officer, we weren't 
just confined to our homes like other people were. We got out, we had other bubbles, we had our work colleague bubbles, and so our social lives were maintained. It was quite difficult for our son, Sam, who is um, 16, and he found it quite difficult not being able to shoot off to the skate park and hang out with his mates. And I guess it's an important time of life for him, that social thing. Um, but he kind of resigned himself in the end, and, and he never broke lockdown, or he just moaned a lot. And um, so for us, it was a piece of cake. Did things change at work? So at work, a lot changed physically in my workplace because we had to separate our emergency department into what we call green and red. Red was anybody pretty much with respiratory symptoms that could have been COVID and green were everything else like accidents and heart attacks and anything that was not a respiratory illness. So the red was um, taken very seriously. We had um, infection control was very involved in helping us set up our PPE by training everybody. Well, not so much training because we always trained, but refreshing us all with PPE, donning and doffing, um, having separate areas for donning and doffing. Um, it was a massive undertaking. Even though we we're a small hospital, it was a big undertaking because every staff member had to be on board from the uh, domestic staff who had to clean our dirty or red areas after a patient had been in them um, and they had to be protected as well with PPE to our orderly staff who all had to take away our um, dirty linen and rubbish um, to our reception staff who deal with putting pe- with people being in different areas that we weren't used to. Physical walls went up. Um, there were areas that were absolute no-go areas unless we were involved with that patient and dressed in full PE. And it was quite difficult for us who, when we when we get an emergency in the door, normally what we do is race to that person and do everything we can in a professional manner as quick as possible to save them. But now with COVID, we had to ascertain, are they a respiratory patient? And if so, they had to wait until we as staff were fully dressed, fully PPE'd, masked, everything before we could go and help them. So often patients would have to wait before we could do anything for them. And that was foreign to us, but we had to look after staff. Uh, safety first thing. That must be particularly challenging because isn't respiratory one of the things you are particularly quick to respond to? Mm-hmm. Definitely, and it was something that we had to quickly get our heads around, that there was there's no emergency when COVID is involved. You have to be protected fully before you go and try and help somebody because otherwise you could become a statistic. A statistic. And we know that medical and nursing staff have died overseas in the thousands and we all had to look after ourselves. But not only that, even just transferring a patient to the wards, because the wards all had their red and green areas. And so there was a bit of a process we had to go through um, when transferring somebody who was potentially COVID positive to one of the wards and it was quite a big deal. Um, also, stopping people coming in. We had a policy during uh, lockdown of no visitors at all unless the patient was a minor, in which case they were allowed one family member, or if they were disabled in some way and having a family member there was beneficial. Um, that actually 
was good and bad um, and actually for some some of the time and I, I don't want to sound um, ungrateful or uncaring but there were times when actually it was a, reef, a relief not to have our emergency department full to the brim with extra bodies um, extra people who ordinarily would be there reporting their whanau so that actually made our lives a little easier um, everybody was stopped at the front door, um, asked all these questions. Members of the public were required to be quite patient. Had, they all had to answer questions, give us their full details. Um, some got grumpy, but we couldn't let them in. The, the risk was too great. And I think now that we're, we kind of have this sense of security, thankfully, because of the measures we took at the beginning, and I think that we feel quite safe now. Our, our walls that were built in our department are gone. Things are kind of back to normal. Um, but we are aware that others are anything but normal. I have friends and family in the UK and France and America, and they are still very, very stressed, very, very affected by COVID, and uh, they wish they lived here. Things are back to normal on the on the ward, but or, or on, and at at work. But have things changed about nursing practice or at how you think about the work you do? So it's always in the back of our mind that anybody with a respiratory condition could potentially be affected. It has had a positive spin-off in that ordinarily winter is terrible for influenza. And I think I'm right in saying that nationally in New Zealand, between 500 and 750 people die every year of influenza. Uh, and there is a vaccine and it's not taken by everybody, although I believe it should be. Um, we have not, I have not personally seen a single influenza patient this year, and that is the first time in my 36-year nursing career that that has ever happened. Um, I also believe that there are 5,000 more people alive in New Zealand that would ordinarily have died if we had not had our lockdown, our social distancing, our hand cleaning, our mask wearing. So there's been some positives, a lot of positives in my opinion. Admittedly, I'm not a business owner and I didn't suffer, but we have three older daughters as well as our boy Sam, and they were not really affected, um, but one of them would have been if her partner hadn't received the wage subsidy for his business that kept things going for them. And we thank this uh, government for that. It was so quick and so helpful, and it saved, on a personal level, our family's you know, business in that regard. Um, I am very pleased to see still that we have COVID tracing uh, QR codes that we that we should all be using, that we have hand sanitizer um, right at the top of our mind every time we enter a shop, that we are more aware in general of keeping ourselves safe. And it's not just from COVID, but it's from other illnesses that are transferred by hands, uh, breathing, sneezing, that sort of thing. So I think that we should all try and remember to be cleaner in this regard. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Simon Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Why this one? Well, I was a student at university in 1980, 81, 82, and I uh, remember wishing that I had um, quit uni against my parents' wishes and gone to America and just explored the world and gone to the massive big 1981 Simon and Garfunkel free concert at Central Park in Manhattan where half a million people went. And I have thought about that a lot, how often we tend to do what our parents want us to do. And so they, I listened to them a lot because they were huge when I was in my teens and still love them. Yeah, old fashioned I guess I am. 
what did it feel like as an, an essential worker? We didn't have the, the the same message that they were getting in the in the UK. The the point of the lockdown that they were describing was to protect the NHS. We never really got that message, but we did get the the importance of the essential workers. Yes, and um, I am quite critical of the UK COVID. Uh, measures uh, compared to ours. Um, the uh, the UK is also an island, a similar size to us, but with many more people. They could have taken the advice of the experts like our Prime Minister did, and they could have been in a situation a little bit like we're in now at this point, I believe. In terms of essential workers, um, I was uncomfortable actually with some of the praise that was being heaped on essential workers. I was uncomfortable with the fact that if I flashed my badge, my uh, work ID, I could skip the front of the queue at the supermarket, so I never did that. Um, I didn't feel particularly special. In fact, I felt that um, I was fortunate that I could get out and go to work because I know a lot of people struggle with not getting out and going to work, um, not um, being able to go and socialise with their friends at work and that for some people being stuck at home for several weeks with an unhappy um, home life was a real struggle. So I don't feel special as an essential worker. I feel very fortunate. Um, it was a bit difficult at times because my son, who is the only child we have left at home, was on his own a lot of the time, um, left to his own devices while my husband and I had to go to work. Um so in terms of the uh, lockdown protecting the hospitals here, yeah, that wasn't really a thing. Although at work, we were fully aware that if we got, we were watching uh, Italy on the TV, Spain, France, UK, now America. It, it was just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. And I think that sometimes people get a little blasé, forget that what's going overseas could have happened here. Yeah. Yeah, those we never got to it, but those or haven't got to it yet and hopefully never will. Those questions of resource allocation under scarcity that, that we could have got to and they, they have gotten to in, in other places. Those are mm-hmm. uh, uh, scary thoughts. It was very scary, the thought that we may run out of PPE, the protective gear, uh, particularly masks, because we were going through them like there was no tomorrow. Because you can only wear them for a short length of time, then they have to be discarded. And um, we had stealing our masks. Um, we had um, oh, we had members of the public coming in and stealing our hand sanitizer masks. We had to um, be really careful about where we kept things. Um, so rather than have things spread around the department for our convenience, we had to be very aware. Don't leave your hand sanitizer more than one inch full because if somebody steals a, a bottle with one inch in it, then that's not so bad. But if they steal a full bottle, that, you know, if they do that a um, hundred times, um, that's a lot of hand sanitizer and we really needed it. Um, so... Yes, uh, fortunately, there's a New Zealand company um, that started spitting out N95 masks by the thousands, and um, I don't think there's any danger of us running out of masks. Um, There's also the um, homemade mask movement, which I was distancing myself from because as a a nurse, I know that homemade cloth masks really don't cut the mustard. However, I have um, repositioned myself on that, and um, having done some reading, um, I know that for some people... Homemade masks is all they're ever going to have. And so if you make good quality ones and distribute them, then you are helping people who would otherwise not have any. So I did sit down in front of my sewing machine, made, worked out how to make them and made about 150 um, 
triple layer, tightly woven cotton, homemade mask. Um, and I am, now that the masks are, are now compulsory in Auckland on public transport and whatnot, I will make more if necessary and then people can just have three, two or three and wash them. Um, because that's the other thing, I was seeing packets of masks for exorb ex is that the right word? exorbitant amounts on Trade Me. People were being thoroughly ripped off and people were scared and buying um, packs of masks for $100 when they should have been $10 um, and then not realising they're only good for four hours maximum and then, you know, spending like hundreds of dollars a week on masks, which I thought was really bad. So things have settled down in that regard. But if you know anyone who wants masks, I can make them some. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou ho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, in your beloved universe. And I really hope that wherever you are, and whatever is happening to you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustained, and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature isn't perfect unique and here making things better thank you so i've had a wonderful day and i've been very excited to speak with you about it and so grateful for these five minutes together each day it's been a wonderful wonderful time for me of course being affirmed in my work and my love for my work and my love for our paradise home Autley study and of course in the process of connecting with people here for the last oh goodness, 16 for the last 16 years it's been a real pleasure because, of course, I've been able to be with everybody for the last 16 years and see everybody change and grow and co-evolve and share my appreciation for everybody's unique skills and gifts. And it's wonderful to know that this has been helpful and the appreciation that I feel and the appreciation that I feel comfortable to share has been felt and acknowledged and assistant to me. And of course, everybody expresses their appreciation differently. For some people, it's not a verbal practice, but it is expressed in other ways. And there are so many people who, of course, are constantly, tirelessly working to support those around them, but may not express their appreciation in verbal ways. So I'm very grateful that I do feel comfortable to express myself verbally. Now, as we know, beautiful Mahuika, now Hei Hei Atahua at Hei Hei HQ has had the exciting opportunity to become a beautiful mother and has hatched one beautiful baby, Kornui. And Maya, her lovely sister, is also clucky. So I'm really hoping that today, Mahuika having gone off the cluck now and fully focusing on caring for Kornui, I'm hoping to try to move Maya from the Fenarium where she's currently perched in the hedge into this beautiful new palatial mansion with her eggs and I'm hoping that she'll stay on the clock and that I can then get her some more fertile eggs. So this is very exciting. I'm in the process of doing this today. So, of course, part of being in this role of nurturing the life that surrounds me, I'm very lucky to have Nawahine Atahua at HQ. Is adaptive management, is constantly paying attention to what's happening for them, how they're behaving, what they seem to want, and responding to this and changing plans accordingly. But of course it's very important that we do this not only for those around us who we connect with and love and want to care for and support, but also for ourselves that we're constantly checking in with our, our own needs, our own feelings and responding to them 
with this perspective of adaptive management. How can we best care for ourselves on every level, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually? How can we best give ourselves these different aspects best support, the most support? And thereby, of course, we're able to do more for the world around us if we are functioning at a higher level level and so for me today that means having a bit of a rest alongside all these other excitabilities but i'm aware that getting that balance right between lots of excitement lots of activity and self-nurance and rest so i hope that for you whatever's happening around you are feeling the support the love the appreciation the connected community and you are caring for yourself and others with that perspective adaptive as things change so too can our strategy and I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Pam Williams. Pam, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last few months. It's almost a year, isn't it? We're going to have to start saying over the last year soon. <laughs> what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick? Um, so the year started, uh, COVID almost coincided with the Fakari White Island eruption here actually in Fakatani. Um, because those people came to my emergency department where I work and that started, um, that was almost exactly the same time that COVID became a thing. Um, The thing that I hope will stick is that people will take seriously the need to stay home if they're not well, if they, and also for employers to respect that and to allow people to stay home if they're not well with a respiratory um, illness um, or any respiratory symptoms. I also hope that the hand washing um, is a, a becomes ingrained um, and the use of hand sanitizer if you don't have soap and water. Um, and just respect other people. Don't cough near people. Don't just keep your distance if you're not well, especially. Also, um, the vaccine which is coming. I have just been following that quite closely because I'm an absolute vaccine advocate and there's a couple of vaccines, Pfizer and Moderna, which sound like about 95% um, effective um, currently um, and they, before they're allowed near the public, they will be uh, scrutinised for safety by the regulatory bodies. So I don't think we have anything to fear. I think we have a lot to fear if our borders open and COVID is not controlled and we don't have a vaccine. So I guess we're just crossing our fingers until early, mid next year. I think that's when it's going to roll out here in New Zealand. Talking about hand washing and the other hygiene things and mm-hmm. social distancing, it's really easy for us to become complacent about those sorts of things. But particularly those hygiene things, those are things that you're used to doing at work all the time. Do you have any like tricks on how not to become complacent with that? I think everybody should carry hand sanitizer of around 70% alcohol um, in their, on their person, in their glove box, at all times. Um, I think that it should be used after you've handled things publicly, before you eat, after you've finished, um, and that, um, that we should just respect other people's um, space. Don't crowd people. Um, I personally don't like big crowds, especially indoors. Um, that is where bugs spread. Um, outdoors is um, safer but if we can just remember if we can all carry hand sanitizer with us wash your hands all the time at home after you before you've eaten after you've done stuff after the toilet obviously it's crazy that we have to say this but we do have to say this because not everybody does this because hand washing and fresh drinking water 
and vaccines are the three major things that save millions of lives globally every year. Those are the three most important public health measures. If we all just did that, we'd all be good. Those, those, I suppose those of us in the developed world can forget that, particularly just the, the luxury that is fresh water. That's right, and we never see things like tetanus, um, typhoid, diphtheria. Actually, I don't know if we do vaccinate against typhoid, but we don't see polio. We don't see these things anymore. People forget how devastating these things are. Um, you just have to visit an old uh, graves um, cemetery to see the the nine children of this couple who all died as infants, you know? I think that because we don't see it, um, we get complacent. So hopefully this um, pandemic will leave some things with us on keeping ourselves safe. I am really um, hot on do, do not go to work if you are unwell with any kind of respiratory um, illness or throat. Uh, that's out of respect to your colleagues and members of the public that you might deal with. And also it's up to the employers definitely to support that and not necessarily to demand a, a medical certificate from a doctor for a day off sick because that is a barrier to people being off sick. We've been talking with people about the success of the Be Kind message and that respect is, is one of the dimensions of that Be Kind. Yep, definitely. And we don't know what other people's journeys are. So it's quite easy to jump in and judge people for saying or doing something that we might find irritating or annoying. But we don't know their journey, the path that they've walked. And so I think we just need to stop and think, and be more um, tolerant, um, yeah, more understanding, and just respect others. Yeah. Let's take Hotel California. Although now mm -hmm. we'd have a vaccine, maybe we will be able to check out of this thing. <laughs> Sometime.
said, we are all just prisoners here of our own device. And in the master's chambers, they gathered for the feast. They stab it with their stealing eyes, but they just can't kill the beast. getting some time off over the summer i've got about six days off uh after christmas uh and all our children are coming here and i cannot wait all um our our four kids will be here two grandchildren and it's going to be marvelous but i am working christmas night shifts which i'm dreading and my husband is too the the summer that we're going to have when no one's leaving the country it's going to be jam-packed there is no accommodation available at all for anybody in Fakatani or the surrounding area I believe um, so I think you had to have booked six months ago it's cool Kiwis supporting Kiwis I guess but we're just not used to it yeah where are your kids so uh, we have Samuel 16 he's here uh, Jenny Eastwood, my daughter, is in Point Chevalier or Point Chevalier in Auckland. She's self-employed um, creative copywriter. And um, 
uh, daughter Bronwyn is in Hamilton, uh, works at Hamilton City Council, and daughter Penny is in Hamilton, works at Bunnings Hamilton Lake. And she's the one with two little boys, our little grandies. Yeah, we love them very much and are so looking forward to them coming down. And they're getting them all back for Christmas. I can't believe it. Yes, they are. <laughs> Even the one who works at Bunnings, because she never gets time off over Christmas, New Year. I don't know how she swung that one. Because they sold everything on the days just before lockdown when everybody rushed into to Bunnings and might attend to buy their hardware supplies that they didn't actually end up using. Oh, I know, I know. Funny. So, yeah, the house will be a tocker with family and I can't wait. What lessons do you think we can take from how we've responded to the pandemic for the the bigger questions that we face, things like climate change and social inequity and so on? I think it does remind us that nasty things are going to happen to us. We have to be resilient. We have to plan for them. Um, it's not going to always be nice, but that's life. And we need to listen to the experts and do what they say, basically, because we can't all know everything about everything, although my 16-year-old son thinks he does. But that aside, um, I think if we all just... Um, do our little bit and this pandemic has taught us that none of us expected 2020 to, to be like this um, for a lot of us it's been totally fine for some it's been totally awful I don't know any people that have actually lost their jobs or lost their businesses but I've heard about it and I feel for them and I guess it also teaches us to perhaps don't have all your eggs in one basket if things go pear-shaped you're going to have to find a way of getting through. And um, that's just a life lesson. So for, as far as climate change as well, you know, every little bit helps. And I don't, I've become more aware of climate change since the pandemic, and I'm not sure why. Um, but even just if everybody recycled their plastics, bought less plastic, that kind of thing, chucked out less stuff, Maybe it's made us all think. It, it might be something that's related to your nursing background, your nursing practice, that it's not nice, but it's life. It, it's, a, yes. it's a practical getting on with it and staying positive. That's true. And, and um, utilising the support of your, your friends and family. Um, and I try and teach our kids, um, especially our son, who doesn't like it when bad stuff happens. And I, I say to him, look, you know, every generation has had real bad things happen. Um, my dad, who's 86, reminds us all the time that when he was a kid, the bombs were dropping, um, you know, in the Second World War. So there's always going to be something that is very, very challenging. Some will sink, some will swim, some will fly. And we have to teach ourselves. Normally Kiwis are quite resilient. We're quite good at taking care of ourselves and, and our, I think having a positive attitude. Well, that's in my experience anyway. Um, and we see nasty things that happen in hospital um, to people who never expected it to happen. Um, on a personal note, um, I had breast cancer a few years ago and I had to have surgery and chemotherapy and radiotherapy and 
people were feeling sorry for me and actually I was just relieved it wasn't something worse because it could have been something worse. It could have been uh, kidney failure requiring dialysis and a transplant. It could have been um, a, a, a motor neurone disease or, or something completely debilitating that I was never going to get recover from. So, yeah, I think maybe we're quite good at looking on the bright side in New Zealand, I think. But one of the things we've been talking about on the show is that it's it's positive without being deluded. Correct. And that yes. how you're just, just saying that you had that cancer, but it it could have been something worse. Mm-hmm. That's not being deluded. That's still facing up to the reality. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I met such awesome people on that journey that I would never have met if that hadn't happened to me. And they have enriched my life. So I feel that that was a positive experience. So I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so you'll have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? You mean uh, personally or... Whatever you like. My biggest success? Um... Oh, heck, being a good mum, because I think all our kids think I'm a great mum. And to me, that's very important. We have a, a, a strong family unit, and that to me is a success, because at the end of the day, that's what matters. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is the superpower that's got you into our mansion? You know, I think I am forever the optimist. Um, I tend to think of the bright side, um, look for solutions, figure out ways of doing things. Um, I don't know that I've ever been thoroughly tested. I've never been through a, a tsunami or an earthquake where we've lost everything. But I do think that I'd be fine. Um, So I think that um, innate optimism and also the the skills handed down to me from my strong mum and my bolshy father, they've been, um, they've helped me too, to just be resilient, be optimistic, be kind and helpful. And I think I am those things. That notion of having never been tested is interesting because things that you have described today are things that other people would have seen as being terrible. Yeah, it's funny how we all see things differently, isn't it? So do you, consider, you, see the... do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, I'm, uh, yes and no. I'm vocal about certain things. Not so much an, a placard-waving activist, but I would if necessary. I feel very strongly about certain things. I feel very strongly that um, uh, that we did the right thing in terms of COVID, that we should all be immunised, that we have got an awesome um, government, that, you know, I feel very strongly about these things and I will argue, um, debate rather, with anybody about these things. As far as being an activist, I think I'm probably too chilled out to be a proper activist. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, I 
absolutely love uh, pottering around. I do a lot of crafts. Um, we are redecorating the inside of our house. Um, and I guess that's what I love. I, and I also like uh, connecting with friends more digitally than in person. Um, I talk to Māwara digitally more than in person. But to me, it still feels like a connection. Um, so what gets me up? I guess it's just because I wake up in the morning and I think today's going to be a great day. And I don't always know what it's going to entail because we can never always know. But, yeah, I like getting up um, and figuring out what I'm going to do today. And usually it's creating something if I'm on days off. And if not, it'll be going to work, which I'm doing later tonight. So what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Challenge? Uh uh, getting my son um, on his path in life um, and so that he becomes even more independent of us and then we are going to we've just bought a brand new motorbike so that's going to be one thing that we do is um, tootling around the countryside and also um, we want a house bus so we're going to be gypsies or hippies living in a house bus and we're going to join the gypsy fair so that'll be in the next five years hopefully that sounds fun. I know. I can't wait. So lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, yes. Uh, be uh, careful, be considerate, be respectful to yourself and others. Um, keep washing those hands. Wear those masks if it's, if it's recommended. Um, look after each other. Don't jump to conclusions when people annoy you. Stick up for yourself when you have to. Um, and please have the COVID vaccine when it comes. That's probably it, I think. And just um, stay positive if you can. And just make the most of your friends and colleagues and family members um, if things seem to be going a bit rough. Talking about things, we, we're always yakking and moaning at work about everything. And then we're, before you know it, we're all laughing. So, yeah, I recommend that. Thank you very much for that. Moira. Um, I, all the years I've known you, you're the person who just has the best outlook and the best advice and always a kind ear. And um, I just, I appreciate you so much and I know the sacrifice that your family makes so that other people get to keep their family members and I thank you for that so much for what you do. Thank you, Maura. And, um, you know, our, our community is a vibrant one, um, partly because we have Maura in it. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. I'm going out to Elton John off the Live in Australia album, which I think is the best of the Alton John albums, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Oh, I love that song. Thank you. You've been listening to Blowing Bubble, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin. 
with Mawera Karatai and Pam Williams in Fakatani. We hope you enjoyed the show. I'm growing tired And time stands still before me Frozen heat On the ladder of my life Too late To save myself from falling Turn the chain Change your way of life 
Sydney, Australia, New Zealand. God bless. We love you. Thank you very much. Good night. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.